Welcome to Mayo Clinic's ECG segment, Making Waves, continuing medical education podcast. Join us every other week for a lively discussion on the latest and greatest in the field of electrocardiography. We'll discuss some of the exciting and innovative work happening at Mayo Clinic and beyond with the most brilliant minds in the space and provide valuable insights that can be directly applied to your practice. Welcome to Mayo Clinic's ECG segment, Making Waves. In this episode, we'll explore the role of CINE ECG in acute coronary syndrome. We're excited to have Dr. Tan Gorgles as our expert guest today. Our focus will be on the role of the ECG in acute coronary syndrome, determining the site of occlusion, so localization, and then the potential value of CINE ECG, which is really neat and I want you to hear about, uh, in ACS. But first, let's introduce our guest today. So Dr. Tan Gorgles is a highly accomplished cardiologist with a distinguished career. He received his medical degree from Radboud University in 1973, completed his internal medicine residency training at St. Canisius Hospital, and cardiology training at the University of uh, Hospital of Maastricht. From 1980 to 2013, he served as a cardiologist and staff member, focusing on electrocardiography of cardiac ischemia and out-of-hospital cardiac arrest. Dr. Gorgos completed his PhD thesis in 1985 on ventricular impulse formation and the influence of digitalis intoxication. He was appointed as a professor of cardiology at Maastricht University in 2005 and currently holds the position of emeritus professor while practicing still as a cardiologist at Heart Clinic Maastricht in the Netherlands. Dr. Gorgos, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much uh, for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. You know, so we had this meeting, you know, at ISCI not too long ago, and I was so excited by what the work that you were sharing with Peter, and, and I thought it would just be a great highlight for audience to know what this unique work you're doing, but maybe even starting at the basic. And so maybe we could start as what is the role of the ECG in acute coronary syndrome, or as ACS as we call it? Yes, I think the ECG remains a very important tool in, in diagnosing acute coronary syndromes. It diagnoses the presence of STEMI, ST elevation myocardial infarction, or non-ST elevation myocardial infarction. It stages the ongoing ischemic process. Is there already uh, changes in the QRS and the T wave or only in the ST segment? It's very important to determine the coronary occlusion site, uh, where it, which is the culprit vessel and is it proximal or distal in the vessel? that determines the size of the cardiac area at risk. It's also very important to identify the presence of conduction disturbances and the presence of cardiac arrhythmias. And it helps very much in deciding on the management. Should we go for PCI, thrombolysis, or shall we wait and see? Furthermore, it's, uh, the ECG is important in uh, evaluating the effect of perfusion therapy. Are there signs of reperfusion already in this ECG? And what is the value of reperfusion arrhythmias? We did quite some studies in that regard. And finally, ECG is, of course, important to assess the residual cardiac damage and the prognostic significance after myocardial ischemia. So that's actually, uh, I think, therefore, in spite of other upcoming techniques, I think the ECG remains a very important and indispensable tool, uh, tool in the emergency room. 
It's really amazing. And you've seen this over your career is, you know, the ECG still remaining prevalent. And maybe perhaps we're getting a better understanding of, you know, what these signatures, these electrical signatures coming from the heart are, are telling us. And perhaps we're, like you said, now even getting prognostic information, how we manage our patients. Now, focusing on the ACS topic, and you mentioned localization, how exactly can we use the ECG to determine the site of occlusion and also, you know, areas that may be at risk uh, based on an occluded vessel? Yes, it is, of course, very important to assess the, the culprit vessel. Are we dealing with an LED occlusion or is it the circumflex or the RCA? So this is the first question, and I think the ECG is very helpful in this. And we've also found that the ECG is very informative regarding the site of occlusion. Is it proximal in, uh, in the culprit vessel, proximal in the LED? Is it mid in the mid-LED or distally? And as far as right coronary artery is concerned, is it before or after the right ventricular branch? The right ventricular involvement is, as you very well know, is very important to assess because that may influence the clinical picture and also the prognosis of the patient. And a very specific uh, situation comes in circumflex occlusions. Uh, are we dealing with a circumflex? And the problem is in circumflex occlusions is that it's not always that evident that we are dealing with an, a, a complete occlusion of the vessel because it frequently presents as a non-stemi. And uh, we are going to discuss the semi-ECG, and I think the semi-ECG could be very helpful in this uh, regard. You know, that's the localization because the management happens. And you mentioned that the left circumflex that we sometimes call the, the it's silent on the ECG. Yeah, um, okay. But per, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, that's that's uh, that's right. It's called this. The, it's actually, silent. Uh, it may present as a as a no ST segment changes at all, and that's uh, very uh, uh, difficult then to diagnose ischemia in that in, in that situation. And perhaps you know you mentioned the CINE ECG. I, I guess for those unaware, and you know this is a newer technique, but certainly has tremendous potential. Maybe you could share. You know, what is the, the CINE ECG? And then we'll look at, you know, how is it value and how can it add value in ACS? Yes, we, we studied um, the, uh, the 12-bit ECG. And as far as the uh, side of the ischemic area was concerned, by looking to the area with most ST segment elevation, and we did that with the uh, so-called ischemia vector or using combining all the uh, leads actually and derive the, the, the ST vector, which pointed actually to the severest area, ischemic area. And that correlated very well with the culprit side of the, of the occlusion in either the LAD, RCA, or circumflex. And we restudied this by using the CINE ECG, and we found actually very good correlations between the what was found in the 12-feed electrocardiogram and in the CINE ECG. So we found that the CINE ECG was very accurate, actually, in determining the site of the ischemic area. And so it's the, the CINE ECG. So I, I guess, tell me, you know, how does this CINE ECG work? What exactly is it telling you? I, I heard that, you know, the ST segment injury vector uh, seems to have a prominent role on it, but what exactly, you know, what is it capturing that's so unique? 
yeah, the SIN ECG actually shows the electrical pathway as, uh, as derived from the 12 feet ECG and it's projected on the cardiac anatomy. So it shows the, the start of the uh, QRS the, the, uh, till the end. So it shows the QRS, the ST segment, the ST segment and the T wave and it projects on the cardiac anatomy. So you, you very well see the electrical pathway through the ventricles and um, by combining actually all 12 leads from the electrocardiogram. And it's quite it, fascinating, yeah. It's very fascinating because you very clearly can show, for instance, right or left bundle branch block and uh, fascicular blocks. And so it helps non-experienced clinicians, which are not very, very experienced in electrocardiography, to understand actually the pathway in that situations to understand what's going on. And the, uh, we, st we studied that in the ST elevation acute coronary syndromes, and we looked to the change in the ST direction in different situations in different forms of LED occlusions and RCA occlusions and also in circumflex occlusions. And we found very good correlations actually between what was expected from the 12 ECG and what we saw in the CINE ECG. And the most intriguing finding actually was what we found in circumflex occlusions because the, the, we had examples where actually no or not much changes in the ST segments were seen in the surface electrocardiogram, but where the CINE ECG to our surprise so shows very clearly the direction change in the ST direction into the postero-basal area pointing to indeed an occlusion in the circumflex. And that was a surprising finding and it suggests that the CINE ECG could have more information than just the 12 feet electrocardiogram. It's really fascinating. And I guess for a simple learner, and I, I appreciate you saying for the novice learner, this could be tremendously helpful because mm -hmm. what I'm hearing is the we have the 12 lead ECG and then you can envision an illustration of the heart, and as the ECG goes through the its time frame and conducts through the heart, you're seeing the conduction pathway. And so, any any alteration of that pathway, as you mentioned, right or left bundle branch block, would be represented graphically or illustrated in an image based on that. Yeah. And you kind of went on with the team to look at how does this affect it, the CIN ECG in ACS. And yes. you know, the silent one, and I wonder, you know, is there something, because you're still using the 12 lead to capture and create the CINE ECG, are there other findings maybe you've noticed from your own personal um, or the research side of things of what is being picked up in this left circumflex that's normally silent? Yes, we, we found that uh, in different circumflex disease can also show just as prominent positive U waves in the precordial leads. And also in that situation where actually not much of ST segment changes were seen, we saw that there was a clear change of the ST segment in the postrolateral direction. So, and also in this form of circumflex pressure on the 12 feet ECG, we saw that the CIN ECG was very helpful actually in helping find the side of the uh, most ischemic area and the related uh, occlusion circumflex. And what we actually envisage now is we 
are going to study a database of patients which came in with chest pain and inconclusive electrocardiograms where they were studied with acute MRI and an acute CT scan in the acute situation. And it was actually found that these imaging techniques were helpful in diagnosing ischemia in those cases. But what, what we hypothesize now is that the CIMI-ECG might also be helpful to analyze those electrocardiograms. Half of those were indeed ischemic, half did, were finally found not to be ischemic, so we can sort out whether the CIMI-ECG will help us in differentiating patients coming in with chest pain and non-inclusive uh, or in inconclusive electrocardiograms. So that could be a further step where the CINE ECG could be helpful. You do see tremendous value with this, you know, from the basic teaching and then to the application of patient care, that retrospective, that could be the initial study of assessing, you know, are there changes in management or different outcomes that could have happened based on, you know, using the CINE ECG? And I, I see this really making a lot of ways, a lot of it's just learning this new technology because you're now looking at the ECG in a, a different manner. Now, before we, we close, I, I'd like to ask you, do you have any final takeaways for, for the, the audience here and or where they can learn more about CINE ECG? Uh, well, there is a website on the CINE ECG where they can go through and, and uh, there is much more information as we can discuss in this few uh, minutes. And I think that why is the CINE ECG could be of additional value uh, next to the 12-peak ECGs because the, the pathway is actually computed differently than what, what is a regular uh, surface electrocardiogram. The, the, the pathway is actually computed by all leads, all unipolar leads available in the 12-peak ECG. And therefore, that's one thing. And the other thing is that disregards amplitude. So very small changes are going to have influence on the, uh, in, in the direction. And so that could be the reason that the CINE ECG gives additional and, and, and maybe different information than the, than the standard 12-lead electrocardiogram. And perhaps more sensitive, especially in some of these cases where you know someone has LVH or high voltages. And from what I'm hearing is it disregards that and it just focuses on the conduction pathway. I, I think yeah. this is tremendously uh, yeah. fascinating. Well, it's a next step into the development of electrocardiography, I would say. Yeah. Again, this continues to evolve. And, and like you said, from the beginning of your career to even now, we're still studying it. We're still seeing new things. And exactly, it, yeah. You know, as we wrap up here, you know, we've explored the crucial role of the ECG and ACS, including the ability to localize coronary occlusion. We looked at the potential value of CINE ECG, and I, I certainly see this coming around the corner. And you know, I know Peter and you are, are, and the whole team are making a lot of efforts in this. The ever-evolving capabilities of this electrical signature from the heart and the significance of the ECG in patient care continue to be evident. We hope that this discussion has broadened your understanding and shed light on this emerging diagnostic tool for ACS. On behalf of our team, we extend our gratitude to Dr. Gorbels for joining us today. We hope he'll join us again with Peter in the future. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. We invite you to share your thoughts and suggestions about the podcast at cveducation.mayo.edu. Be sure to subscribe to a Mayo Clinic 
Cardiovascular CME Podcast on your favorite platform. And tune in every other week to explore today's most pressing electrocardiography topics with your colleagues at Mayo Clinic. This has been a Mayo Clinic podcast.